This is the Joyful Weight Loss Podcast, and I'm your host, Sarah Wells, MD. Listen in each week, and I'll share from science and scriptures that encourage you in how to cultivate healthy habits so you can lose extra weight and gain more health while cultivating joy. Be sure you are following the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, let's dive into this week's topic. Hello and welcome back. I hope that everyone is doing well. I hope your week is off to a good halfway point today if you're listening to this the day this is released. Um, We are in, you know, what feels like close to the beginning of spring down here in South Carolina. It started to warm up. Um, The tulip magnolias are in full bloom. They are beautiful down here this time of year. Um, I feel like we're about to see the trees and bushes just erupt and, and color and green. Um, if you're in a part of the country that's still snowed under, just it's coming. Spring is coming. So today I'm going to start what's going to be a three-part series talking about weight regain. Um, this first episode today, I'm going to go through some of the literature and what it says in regards to what are the common causes of weight regain after weight loss. What is happening? Um, why is it so prevalent? And um What does the literature say about it? Then next week, I'm going to discuss what I've learned in my own um, progress with weight loss maintenance. So for four years, I maintained about a 90 pound weight loss. Um, And then over the last year, I have regained about 16 pounds from what was my steady state, you know, low maintenance weight. So what have I learned? What worked for me for four years? And what happened in this last year that I am looking back and trying to decipher and learn from? Um, and then the third episode is how am I handling the regain? What am I going to do? What can we do when we regain? And what works and what doesn't work? How can we move forward to get back to a healthier weight after regain in a way that um, builds us up and, and brings joy and isn't as frustrating because weight regain can definitely be frustrating. Um, But how can we take an approach that is good for us? um, And what does that look like? And so that I'll share with you what I'm doing and what's working for me, what doesn't work um, for me. And hopefully that can encourage you as well in your progress towards weight loss and also weight maintenance over the long term. This information is for educational and informational purposes only and solely as a self-help tool for your own use. I am not providing medical, psychological, or nutrition therapy advice. You should not use this information to diagnose or treat any health problems or illnesses without consulting your own medical practitioner. Always seek the advice of your own medical practitioner and or mental health provider about your specific health situation. For my full disclaimer, please go to www.joyfulweightloss.com forward slash disclaimer. So starting off here and talking about regain, we have to talk about how prevalent it is. Um, I think we all know and have experienced the fact that losing weight happens, but it is very, very common for weight to be regained, at least some weight to be regained. Um, Looking at the data, um, uh, in the different studies that have done um, one meta-analysis that looked at 29 long-term weight loss studies. Now a meta-analysis just looks at a lot of different studies to try to consolidate and get a lot more data and accuracy. Well, this meta-analysis looked at 29 long-term weight loss studies. And in those 
these are just the stats, more than half of the, of the, of the subjects um, lost weight was regained within two years. And by the five-year mark, more than 80% of lost weight was regained. Okay. Um, that's significant, right? That 80% of the lost weight was regained at five years and that at two years, more than half was regained. So what's happening? Why is regain happening? Why is it that so many of us can lose weight, but then really struggle to keep that weight off? Well, let's dive into what these reasons seem to be. First of all, um, one of those reasons is what we know to be a physiologic imbalance, okay? Um, there is um, a process within us that really resists um, not having enough calories, really really holds on to preserving a weight that protects the human body, it seems, or <laughs> it is hoping to do, it seems, um, from losing weight. Because biologically, historically, for thousands of years, losing weight was associated with concern, with starvation, with potential death. And so our bodies were created to preserve the weight that we're at. Um, Now, (laughs) that was before the obesogenic environment um, was um, emerged, you know, with the industrial revolution and the food, you know, and you know, industrialization of our food sources, and all of this that's happened. Um, Obviously, that doesn't work in our favor anymore in this current environment, unless we're in a third world country and don't have access to food. That is, um, you know, that's the conditions that people were in that our bodies were designed to survive through is, you know, a a paucity of food supplies. Um, So, you know, one way we see this in the way our physiology works is we see that when people get a really low blood sugar, it, it can really cause a lot of symptoms and drive people to find food and eat, right? But when somebody has high blood sugar, often they don't even know it. Um, and there's not a drive to necessarily do anything about it. There's not a behavioral priority that happens through the brain to drive that person to correct their high blood sugar. Now, later, of course, you see a lot of issues from that. Um, When you are dealing with people with diabetic levels of high blood sugar, there are a lot of problems that develop, but there's not this immediate urgency to do something with your behavior like there is with lower blood sugar where somebody's driven to find food if they're feeling shaky and, you know, hypoglycemic. So that's an example of that. Um, So, you know, these physiologic the priority here is set to maintain weight to not lose weight. This is kind of how we were built because we were created in an environment where there were not um, potato chips (laughs) and where all the food we got was natural food. And we had to, you know, pick it from a tree or grow it in the ground or kill it in a hunt. And that was where food came from for a long time. Um, And so that's where our bodies were designed for. So, Another, the second driver of weight regain can kind of be looked at from the perspective of our neurobiology, looking at how there's actually our neuroendocrinology. There are endocrine signals that are going from our gut to our brain um, that are telling us whether to eat more or to eat less. Okay, there's 
ghrelin, there's leptin. These are two of the hunger hormones that you've probably heard of, at at least if you've been listening to my podcast. There's also other hormones. There's insulin. We've talked a lot about that. Um, There's also some we maybe haven't touched on as much. There's peptid YY. There's cholecystokinin. There are just a whole lot of, it's like a cocktail of hormones that are released by our bodies that are that are working to drive the regulation of our appetite, the regulation of our energy expenditure, whether we exercise or not. And um, in doing so, we'll regulate our weight, even without us realizing it. There are a whole lot of hormones at play that we don't feel or notice, but they are there, okay? So what that means is, um, for example, here's an example. So we know that I've talked before about insulin resistance. There's also a situation of leptin resistance. And leptin is the hormone that causes satiety or is is known to be associated with satiety, the feeling that you don't really need to eat anything else. If you have a good high leptin level, that should tell you, I'm good, I don't need to eat, um, to reduce it to simple terms. But if you're resistant to leptin, then you may not be getting that signaling, And there is known to be a level of leptin resistance that occurs in people who struggle with obesity. Um, So what that means is, instead of having a reduction of hunger, you don't get that hunger reduction. You actually are still hungry. And um, and then also... um, you know, you struggle with weight regain if that's going on because you're not getting the same sensitivity from leptin that you would be getting. Um, And what happens is when you lose weight, there's often an increase of the hormone ghrelin, which causes an increase in hunger. So you're having these neuroendocrine signals that are coming to the the appetite center of the brain and telling your brain, hey, you're hungry, you should eat more. And also telling your brain, hey, maybe you should just not move quite as much to conserve energy because you're not eating as much and you used to eat more. So your your body is sending these hormone signals to alert you um, and tell you to slow down and eat more. Whereas you have just made this, you know, hardworking decision and, and practice of increasing your movement and decreasing the extra food you were eating that you didn't need. And so you're, you really got a situation where your, your frontal lobe and your, you know, grown up brain is telling your body to do one thing because you want to stay healthy. Yet there's this neuroendocrine balance that's kind of working against you at keeping extra weight off. So what, what is it that can be done with that? Well, one thing it seems is that when you add in exercise, that can increase your sensitivity to leptin again. So just a little um, a little tip here in dealing with a neuroendocrine mix, this is why weight maintenance is so much more effective when you are when you have added in a good bit of regular daily exercise. That's why it seems that exercise is more important in weight maintenance than it even is in weight loss. So it can really help you combat the drives that are coming from these neuroendocrine hormones to eat more and move less. So that's something to know. Um, So that's the second, the neuroendocrine factors, um, the neurobiology is the second reason that we can see weight regain. What else is there? Well, there are the basics of the balance of energy, okay? Someone that weighs 200 pounds requires more energy in the form of food, in the form of calories, just to stay at that weight. 
compared with someone who weighs 150 pounds. When you weigh 150 pounds and you used to weigh 200 pounds, just to stay at your new weight of 150 pounds, you don't need as many calories. You don't need as much food just to stay at that weight as you needed when you were 200 pounds. So there's an automatic decrease in the energy requirements of your body just for weight maintenance um, alone. So you're already, you've basically reduced the amount that you would need to take in just to stay at that weight. Um, And and not only that, but because you've lost weight, if not just, so somebody that was always 150 pounds is going to be metabolically different than someone who was 200 pounds and then ends up at 150 pounds by purposefully reducing their weight and their extra fat stores. So basically what I'm saying is if you've lost 50 pounds to get to 150, it is most likely that you are burning less calories than someone who was already always at 150 for a long period of time or for their whole life. Basically, um, there's something called adaptive thermogenesis. Um, is <laughs> That's the fancy words that are used to describe this, which is where the resting metabolic rate is decreased in someone um, more so than what would be predicted by just the loss in body tissue. There's some kind of preservative effect the body has to try to preserve your weight. And in doing that, they just the body will burn less fuel to maintain that weight if you've lost weight to get to where you are. Um, now, what basically what's happened is your muscles have become more efficient. <laughs> your muscles don't need as much calorie power to move as they did before. So there's this increased efficiency uh, means that you you don't actually expend as much energy when you're moving. And also just thinking about it, if you're carrying 200 pounds up a flight of stairs, that is going to cause more energy to be burned than carrying 150 pounds up a flight of stairs. So just moving through space against gravity is going to take less um, energy. Um, but on top of that, we've got this adaptive thermogenesis that results from weight loss. So what else? What else is happening that seems to lend toward um, weight regain? We talked about um, the physiologic um Uh, priorities that your body has toward preserving your weight. We've talked about the neuroendocrine hormones involved in hunger and satiety. We've talked about your difference in new needs of energy expenditure. Well, let's talk about behavior. Um, There is something that happens where we kind of, if you've, if you, I don't know about you, but if you've gotten to a point where you have lost weight and you're, you're, you're in a great place it's easier to forget the hard things you went through to get the, that change in place. Um, there's kind of a forgetfulness about how hard you worked that can happen commonly with people who've gone through um, behavior change. That it's easier to remember. We and this is a phenomenon that's true. Like if you look at studies of women um, in childbirth, they look back and they don't necessarily remember all the horrible parts as much as they do the good part of the healthy baby that's born. Um, if they had a a, a most pregnancies, that's that's kind of what happens is the memory, there's almost an amnesia of the hard parts of labor and delivery um, when you have a healthy outcome. So, you know, this this happens, it appears to some extent in weight loss as well, where you kind of have a little bit of an amnesia about all of the difficulties you faced when you went through the behavior changes that you went through to get to this healthier set of habits you now have. 
Um, and so there kind of tends to be a drift. Um, it used to be maybe you had these log books you kept, maybe you were tracking calories, maybe you were writing down your weight every day. And there seems to be a slow slip in people that we regain weight, where they kind of stop keeping those records. They stop writing things down, staying accountable. There's just a slow drift in that. And then also, you know, life happens. Maybe there's some stressful events that can occur that can lead to going off into a bit of a lapse of commitment to healthy eating. Maybe there's circumstances that change, just normal life circumstances. Um, you know, um, and then maybe, or maybe there's something else that happens, like some kind of health event occurs. Maybe you, you know, maybe you have a back injury and you're not able to move how you used to be able to move. And so you gain weight because you're not exercising how you used to. Or maybe um, some other health event happens. Maybe you get COVID and you're just really fatigued for a long period of time and fall into a habit of not exercising during that time or eating things you didn't used to eat. Maybe you let those kind of come back. These kind of health status changes can be commonly what leads to health, um, weight regain. Um, what else? Well, there's also this idea of the set point. Um, and there is this kind of wishful thinking sort of hope that once you lose the weight, you'll get a new set point and that your, your body will just keep you at that new healthy weight automatically, that you'll just stay there. That, and that doesn't seem to be true. That doesn't seem to be something that that happens, at least in the short term. Um, I know there are studies looking at does the does the set point reset eventually. Um, there are definitely studies looking at bariatric surgery, and um, it does appear there's potentially a change in set point with bariatric surgery. But but that is most likely related to the fact that pieces of the gut were cut out. And those pieces of the gut seem to be potentially linked to that neuroendocrine messaging that I mentioned before. And so if you're someone like me who's lost the weight through lifestyle changes, you still have that piece of gut in you that is involved in the neuroendocrine messaging. So most likely the set point, um, it doesn't appear based on evidence yet that we have any evidence that the set point resets. Um you know, I'm curious about what happens long term, people that have kept it off across five years, you know, I kept it off for four years, um, without any regain. And then just in this last year, have had some regain, they're not nearly what I've lost. So I'm grateful for that. But I'm really curious. And I haven't seen a lot of studies that have looked into this, I'd, I'd like to know if the set point readjusts eventually. Um, I hope so. But what we do know is that the idea of the set point readjusting and people kind of becoming lackadaisical, maybe we, we just kind of lose our um, attentiveness and vigilance surrounding our habits because we think, oh, this is, I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> I've had these new habits. It's, it's easy sailing from here on. I'm good. And we just kind of think, you know, there's, there's that commonly stated thing that people, many of us perhaps have said, you know, if I could lose the weight, I know I could keep it off. Um, that's kind of a common mentality, right? Um, but it appears that that is a mentality which does lead to weight regain. So what else happens? Um, other behavioral um, contributors to weight regain appear to be um, just a kind of change in priorities, maybe getting tired of maintaining health habits as priority. Um just, you know, getting tired of, of eating in a healthy way. The priority isn't there anymore. anymore. Maybe there's other things that are taking up your time and attention. And so it just slides as a priority. Um, and then also, um, there's just potentially decision fatigue that could be kicking in. Um, 
maybe there's just a creep, a habit creep where slowly, maybe you miss a couple days of, of a certain habit that's been really working for you. And then over time, that habit really slides more and more and just kind of creeps into a place where it's no longer a habit. And it used to be the habit that really changed everything for you. And it just slowly slips away. So these are all potential contributors that can lead to weight regain, can lead to weight plateaus. If you've been steadily going down and slowly kind of stop moving down, they can also contribute to plateaus and weight loss. Um, and these are what we'll be looking at. Um, and, and what can we do about these? How can we address weight regain? Um, and the next two episodes, I'll get deeper into that. Next week, I'm going to talk about um, why you know, what worked for me for four years that helped me to maintain my weight loss in particular. And then what also, you know, look at what is it in this last year that changed where I regained 16 pounds. Um, And then the week after that, I'll dive into what am I doing now? How am I going to get back on track and get that 16 pounds um, of extra fat off so that I can be at a healthier weight again? I'm, I'm, you know, really happy that I've maintained still still even with some regain have maintained a huge weight loss. I'm so grateful for that, but I don't want to be lackadaisical and suddenly the 16 pounds be 32 pounds, you know? That's a lot harder to get back off. So the sooner I catch myself the better. Um you know, one other factor I didn't mention is I I, I did mention um you know, um just not keeping accountability logs, just kind of the the loss of keeping track of weights um, and food. And I do think, you know, keeping track of daily weights is going to be key. Um, and so I'll talk more about that next week as well. Um, all that being said, I hope that everyone has a fantastic week. Um, I hope that you're able to enjoy some sunshine wherever you are in the world um, and come back again next week for more. Thank you for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. First, please leave a review for me. This is how people find the podcast. Secondly, y'all sharing is caring. You can actually easily share this episode or a podcast entirely with a friend. Just text it to them. Lastly, if you're looking for more encouragement and direction from me, go sign up for my free newsletter. It's called The Extra Helping. You can go to www.joyfulweightloss.com. That's joyful spelled with two L's. And then when you're there, click on The Extra Helping to sign up. That's all for now, y'all. Don't forget to be sure you're subscribed and tune in again next week for more.